All right. Welcome in, everyone, to episode 18 of the Peach Day Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran, joined, as always, by my magnificent co-host, Mr. Jake Hill. Oh, yeah. We're back second day in a row. We're the Wednesday night episode, or Thursday morning, if you're listening on the podcast side of things. Um, in typical normal week fashion, we gave a little review of the past week, what we looked at from all around Georgia sports and all around the sports world, how our bets looked. And um, it was a great episode. Moving into tonight's episode, we are here giving you a preview. We got some college ball action. We got some dog action. We got some pro ball. Um, kicking off the next week, talk about our bets, talk about what we're looking at ahead for this next, this upcoming week. Um, and do a little review and, and talk about what we're looking ahead towards the MOB postseason and a couple key key things that we're interested in. Um, again, like we always say at the beginning of the episodes, man, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. It means the world to us when y'all come out here and, and show the support like you have been. We're super grateful. We're excited to be here. And um, anytime we get to talk ball, I know we're fired up too, especially headed into a big rivalry week like we are for the dogs this week. So, Jake, what do you say? Let's dive into it. Kenny, amazing introduction as always. I, I love the word you used to describe me. It was a little bit different than what we're used to. And uh, I have to say, I agree. I don't know if you said magnificent. You said something. And it was. I did. It, it was, it was a nice word to describe what we're about to get into. Um, we're going to start off with the Braves. Uh, five straight division championships. That is the way I want to start off this podcast. I know we talked about yesterday. We were doing this live whenever the Braves won the division. Um, I like do little timestamps. Uh, it's 9.17 p.m. October 5th, so Wednesday. Um, and the regular season just wrapped up for the Atlanta Braves. We lost today to the Marlins. It was a meaningless game. Nobody cares. Uh, we had... Some people that you don't see very often, like Guillermo was out there in center, Robbie was playing in right, and Eddie was playing left. A lot of different matchups. Dansby did start the game. I don't know if you saw this, Kenny, but Dansby started the game at shortstop, took the first at bat, and then got taken out of the game. I don't know nope. if there was an incentive for him playing all 160 or starting all 162 games, or if he just wanted it for his own sake. But Dansby now started all 162 games. I believe he's the only player to do that in MLB this season. And him and Matt Olson, I believe, are the only two baseball players to appear in all 162. Matt Olson did have one day off, I think, last week or so. It was either last week or a couple weeks ago. And he did appear in the game later on as a defensive replacement. But yeah, Dansby, Dansby appeared in all uh, 162, started all the games, which is cool to see. Um, I was a little bit nervous when the lineup card came out because Vaughn was not featured in there. And it was kind of a weird game not to have Vaughn Grissom in the lineup. And <laughs> I was wrong. He came in at the in the bottom of the first and took over it short for Dansby, which was cool to see. Um, the Braves officially, our, our next game we'll be playing is Tuesday, October 11th. Um, we will be facing the winner of the Philadelphia Cardinals uh, series in the wild card. If you're not familiar with the new wild card rules, uh, it's a, now a three-game format instead of just the one, one game winner takes all. And how it works is the two top seeds in the NL or AL get buys, which would be the Braves and the Dodgers. It's the two best records among division winners. And there's three divisions. That team that is not... In that, in that top two, which would be the Cardinals in the Central, they then have to play the worst wildcard team, which is the Phillies. And then, you know, the top wildcard team has to play the second wildcard team, which right now is the Mets and the Padres. Um, and that's how it's going to be going into the playoffs. I, I'm really excited about this series. I, I'm definitely going to keep a close eye on it. I, I, it helps the Braves so much because they don't get nearly as much time off as, you know, what the Braves are going to be doing. So, you know, we have all the way till Tuesday to get warmed up. And now these guys have to go into like a nail biter of a series. Like every game matters in a three game set. and You can't take a game off. So 
either of these teams coming to the Braves series is going to be significantly more wore out than what the Braves are, which is which is a very, very notable thing, especially when you're talking about teams like the Phillies with uh, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and, you know, the Cardinals. They have, I, th- I believe, Jack Flaherty's back on the mound now. Uh, Wayne Wright and Miles McCullis, they have a couple guys over there, too, that they, that they could throw against you. Um, so that series is going to be a really, really big one to keep your eye on. Me and Kenny dove into it a little bit yesterday about what teams we'd face or prefer to face. Um, and I think we both settled on Philadelphia as our team that we'd want to face. We want to do an NLE sweep, which I think would be the funnest thing to see in the playoffs. <laughs> so that, that that's that's pretty much it on the Braves. So I don't have too much stuff to dive into. Um, I do want to mention that this is the first 100-win season the Braves have had since 2003. I don't know if that's something that we talked about on the podcast yet. So we've had some really, really good Braves teams over the past five years. Don't get me wrong. But this is the best Braves team we've seen when it comes to all-around play, when it comes to your starting your starting rotation, your bullpen, your lineup, your depth. This Braves team is just star-studded. And uh, I want to say that Harold Reynolds on MLB Network actually had a very interesting thing when he was talking about it. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or a couple days ago. It's kind of been making its rounds around Twitter, especially Braves Twitter. Um, if you're not on Braves Twitter, I, I recommend to get on it because Braves Twitter is probably one of the best sports Twitters you can see. There are memes and everything every single day going on about everything. And uh, Harold Reynolds was saying that the Braves are on the same tier of the Dodgers when it comes to like how the organizations ran, the guys they call up, being able to you know retain our guys for multiple years and get them on team-friendly deals and just have all around good play at you know every level, not only on the team, but also in the front office. So that was a really, really good compliment to get from a guy like Harold Reynolds. Uh, I've always been a pretty big Harold Reynolds guy when I get to see him talk. So to see him go out there and, you know, say all that good stuff about the Braves was really, really awesome. Um, I also wanted to put it out here. If you have not been on Twitter or been on social media and you have not seen the videos from Michael Harris live, on Instagram or Ronald Acuna's live on Instagram. Uh, they were awesome. Um, I saw Guillermo was absolutely going crazy in there. Um, I'm sure him and Marcel went out last night and had a great time. Good to see Marcel did not get in any trouble. He was back in the lineup today. So somebody probably took his keys and uh, made sure he was not the one driving home from, from whatever event he got into. I want to say he actually had a bomb today. So that little, that little hangover he had probably did him pretty good. We need to get Marcel drunk before every game. <laughs> he probably already is. Definitely. If you watch Marcelo Zuna play baseball, there's one thing you can say about Marcelo Zuna. Like him or not, the dude looks like he's having fun at every moment in a baseball game. He'll be in the outfield with his hat on crooked, big old dip in his mouth, and just a big old smile. Just out there just enjoying himself, which is which is which is nice to see. Um, this Braves team's electric. Uh on Michael Harris's live, I did want to say one thing, and I can't really say too much of it because it's not the most family friendly thing that are uh beloved pitcher Spencer Strider said. Um he said something basically in the in the terms of a hot or a on fire woman's private part, <laughs> that is going to be the way that I'm going to describe it. Well um, said, Jake. Uh, to keep it family friendly, if if you want to see what he said, just go on Twitter and look up Spencer Strider. It's going to be every single thing you're going to be seeing right now. It was it was hilarious. It, <laughs> It was it was it was really really awesome. Uh, Michael Harris was doing his thing. He was he was like recording in the bathroom in the locker room. He was like, I don't know how y'all people drink this stuff. I can't see. Talking about the champagne being in his <laughs> eyes. You know these guys right here. We talk about like youth and stuff. But I mean, Michael Harris is what 21, 22 years old. Like he's younger than me. So and I I just he's twenty one years old. So this is like this is this guy's first big party. Like <laughs> he went straight from high school to professional baseball. This is this is this guy's big moment. Uh, Von Grissom the same. 
it was funny because Von Grissom and Michael Harris were in there and they're like, we need our, we need our rookie vet. We need our rookie vet. And then here comes old Spencer Strider right around the corner. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, go ahead, kid. You got it. Well, you know, Michael Harris, he's such a responsible young man. I'm sure that was probably the first time he's been in an alcohol environment. Definitely. Definitely. On, on, what, on his live, somebody said, uh, y'all getting drunk tonight? And he said, no, never. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink. No, they they were they were smashing cores. They were smashing cores light and champagne. So I I definitely believe him that they were not getting drunk last night. Yeah, but holy smoke in Virginia! Did it look like they had a good time? So you have one of the most redneck people on the team with Jackson Stevens, the guy that's in there yelling "roll tide" at all times, and then you think it's a good idea to throw him on the mound to start the next day? <laughs> this man was shotgun at Coors Lights twelve hours ago. This man was throwing like I. Braves fans don't overreact on this. I, I know there's some Braves fans out there like, why, why are we running out this damn lineup today? <laughs> it's a meaningless game. Nobody cares. The next meaningful game we have is in six days from now. So Braves are going to have their fun. I'm sure they're probably still at partying it up tonight. So you know, they're, they were on the trip in Miami. They all get to come back home to Atlanta. We have home field advantage in you know, the first round of the playoffs. So they're probably in Atlanta right now. I'm sure some of the guys are together just having a ball right now in Atlanta. So you know, and even if they're not, they're probably still in Miami tearing it up down there. <laughs> they have some pretty good options. They're at Chipper Jones Mansion, shotgunning Coors Lights and hitting BP in the batting cages. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it on Brave stuff. I mean, we pretty much broke broke down all the most important stuff yesterday. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the team, going back and watching all their little celebration stuff in the in the locker room is always a lot of fun to do. Oh, yeah, man. It looked like they had a blast and... You know, well-deserved, man. This team has been they, – they've surpassed all odds. Obviously, you mentioned it with the first 100-win season since 2003. And a lot of that has to do with the competition. We haven't really had this tight competition in the NL East in the recent years. And, uh, you know, credit to this Mets team. We've been talking trash all year long. We're going to keep talking trash. Obviously, the yes. Braves are a better team. We win the division. But that's a good baseball team um, any way you look at it. So, you know, having that competition, that, that team to kind of push you and get the best out of you was huge for the Braves this year, and that shows with the record. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I also want to mention, before we get off the topic of baseball as a whole, um, Aaron Judge did hit number 62 last night. So if you're a baseball fan, that's a very, very notable thing, like all around the league. He is now the all-time leader in uh, single-season home runs in the American League, which is awesome. And uh, if you're one of the people that look at guys like Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire as cheaters because of the performance-enhancing drugs, you could say he's the he's the home run king. I'm not going to say that because it's still Barry Bonds. I know Kenny's probably in the same direction as me. Um, it, it doesn't. It, that's still going to be in the record book forever. Um, but it, it is very notif- notable. I mean, we've seen so many great Yankees and stuff all throughout history. So many great Red Sox and all these American League teams. And now Aaron Judge is the cat is the leader in single season home runs in the American League. It's 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 an awesome thing. I love Aaron Judge. He's a hell of a ball player. He he comes out. He plays ball every single day, and he just does he just does what he does. Seems like a great guy. Great teammate, and uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but hopefully we'll see him in a Braves uniform next year. Yeah, hopefully so. And I think Jet Passon probably said it best when he said, there's two facts when you talk about the whole Barry Bonds, McGuire, Sosa conversation, and the two facts are, number one, they did take PEDs, and number two, Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs. So either way you look at it, the 73 home runs were hit, and either way you look at it, they were on PEDs. So does the PEDs discount the 73 home runs? No, not at all, because they still happened. He still hit them. Um, so, you know, you look at that, take it how you will. But I think what, what Jet Passing was probably the best way to kind of sum it all up. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like you look at wars and stuff, and wars are fought a little bit differently nowadays than they were back in the day. You look at some of the wars, and you're like, oh, this is the biggest death toll, like, man-in-man war of all time. Well, you know, back then, they didn't have all the technology and stuff we did now. That that was common back in the day. It's kind of like steroids and how today's game works. Um, You know, steroids were so common back then, everybody did it. Like, I'm not going to say everybody did it, because we have braves like Chipper and stuff that, ne- that never, you know, were even even thought of in that conversation. But a lot of, a lot of the big-name players back then did it, so... That was more of an era, and it's a part of history. So, you know, just accept it as it is. And uh, nobody's going to discount what Aaron Judge has done this year. Obviously, you check social media. It's all over the place. So, I think everybody loves Aaron. Oh, yeah. You got to, man. He's a stud. Yeah, Katie, that's it for me on the Braves talk. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about it, or we can go ahead and hop into the next thing we're going to talk about. That's it for me, man. Let's dive into these dogs. All right, let's start hating. All right, man. One of the best weeks of the year. It's a uh, it's Auburn week, man. Uh, UGA Auburn, Deep South's oldest rivalry. This is going to be the 127th matchup between these two teams, which is crazy. This thing goes back years and years and years. So a little a little ramp up to this. I want to read for you um, some notes that I took earlier. Um, Auburn has won this matchup one time since 2013, and that was in the 2017 regular season when Gus Malzahn said in the post game presser, and I quote. Boy, we beat the dog crap out of them, didn't we? This turned out to be a big mistake, Gussie, because just a few weeks later in the SEC Championship, they got absolutely dismantled. The dogs tore those boys up 28-7 to in the SEC Championship. And old Gussie Malzahn was fired and replaced by the current head coach and the active conductor of this absolute dumpster fire of a football program, Brian Harson. Brian Harson is 100% on his way out, he's got one foot outside the door and the other foot on a banana peel. This guy is treading water. He is on his way out. This dude, I mean, you talk about a bad position to be put in, man. I don't know if any – I mean, you talk about Auburn. They get the recruits. They can recruit their SEC, upper echelon SEC. So, you know, it's probably an appealing coaching job. But, man, talk about a bad position. You know, Brian Harson, you're probably a really, really great football mind, really good coach. You know, that's why you're getting paid to coach an SEC team. But, dude, it didn't work out for you. And that brings us perfectly into one of the best weeks of the year for Georgia fans, Auburn Hate Week. Yeah, uh, I do want to mention on Brian Harson. Uh, I, I believe A.J. McCarron last week or two weeks ago put on Twitter that Brian Harson has already been informed that he will be fired after the season ends. <laughs> I don't know how true yeah. that is, and it could easily just be Alabama on Auburn Hate from A.J. McCarron. But, I mean, I think every fan in sports and college football you know, fandom knows that Brian Harson's out the door after the end of the year, like if he makes it at that point. I'm assuming he will, you know, out of, out of respect. I don't think that Auburn team would, would be much better with anybody else at this point in the season. But uh, he, he's definitely going to be going on to something else after the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's out there. It's it's just a bad situation all around and a bad coach. And it, it's, yeah, goodbye, Brian Harson. All right, let's talk about Auburn hate week, man. What a good week, Georgia fans. This is a game we have circled on the calendar every single year. And I, I felt like it would be wrong of us to do anything other than talk trash on these Auburn Tigers or War Eagle or or the Plainsman or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, so let's let's hit a couple of our favorite Auburn disses headed into hate week. I've got one here. This team has gone through more head coaches in the past decade than they have national championships in the last 130 years. Damn. Damn. I, I don't have, uh, I, I kind of came up with a quote. I didn't quite go with a diss. Um, 
my quote is is seven and one because that that's what Kirby Smart in his in his uh, era at George is going to be after this coming up weekend against Auburn seven and one. And you had mentioned it earlier. The one loss came in a game in 2017 where we went on to destroy them in the SEC championship. So take it how you want to. Um, we have owned Auburn since Kirby has got here, and um, it's going to be ugly. That, that, that's what I'm going to say about Auburn. It is going to be ugly. It is. Any way you look at it, man. And we're going to dive into how these teams stack up <clears> and what the what the matchups look like on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So let's say let's talk about this game. What we, what do we have to expect here? Let's look at the odds, the betting odds. Um, Georgia thirty point favorite on the books. Auburn is a plus two thousand two hundred on the money line. UJ minus eight thousand. The over under set at forty nine and a half. Minus one ten odds from both sides of that. Um, so take that as you may. If you're if you're looking at betting on this game, you get it at thirty right now. It moved from I believe it was at twenty nine. I saw it go up to twenty nine and a half, and it settled in right here at thirty at even odds. So it's probably going to hang out around there for the rest of the week. A um, couple things I wanted to address here: how these teams stack up. Um, UGA has the fifth ranked offense in the nation. Auburn is forty fourth in the nation in total defense. Um, okay. Auburn has the eightieth ranked offense in the nation. UGA has the fourth ranked defense in the nation. Ooh, continue. Georgia's offensive line ranks 12th in the nation in pressure percentage allowed, and Auburn's offensive line allows the fifth highest pressure percentage in college football. Mm, I believe it was three sacks per game is what Auburn's line. This defensive line is going to feast. We're going to be moving downhill. We're going to be getting after this quarterback, this new quarterback. Um, And that brings me to some of the more fun parts of looking at this game. Auburn is 3-7 and straight up in their last 10 games. They're also 0-5 straight up and against the spread in their last five games against Georgia. Georgia is 7-0 straight up in their last seven games against Auburn. And hold on, Georgia is 7-0 straight up in their last seven games as a whole. And the total in this game, interestingly enough, has gone under in seven straight. And Georgia has also had their total go under in the last seven straight games for Georgia in general. So this is an under football team. You look at the line here at 49 and a half. Um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting line. Kind of an interesting line. And the total has gone under in six of Auburn's last eight games as well. So this game screams under for me. Um, I'll have to look at that. Do a little bit. Do do a little bit of looking. See what I'm gonna what I'm gonna play on this game. But um, seven straight Georgia games go under. Six of Auburn's last eight games go under. I mean the trends are there. Yeah, definitely the trends are there and uh. It's going to be a very interesting thing when we start talking about some nice crispy bets this coming up weekend. Absolutely, because we do have some nice crispy bets. So let's talk about what we expect to see in this game, Jake. Um, me personally, I expect to see a butt whooping. I expect to see these boys come into Sanford Stadium and uh, the fans are going to show up like they do every single week, especially in a big rivalry game like this. They're going to show up. They're going to show out. They're going to be loud. They're going to give this new quarterback fits. This Georgia's team's going to buzz. We thought we were going to see a, a bounce-back game against Missouri. We travel into a hostile territory. And um, obviously, we talked about it in, in the past episode. It just wasn't what we expected from anybody. Um, so I fully expect this team to come out buzzing against against Auburn. At home, like, you can't pick a better environment in college football to be in on a Saturday than a Georgia-Auburn at-home game in Athens. So... I expect the boys to come out buzzing. Um, when I look at, at how these teams line up offensively and defensively, 
You look at Auburn, 44th in the nation in total defense against this Georgia offense that has been able to move the ball. I know we've been plagued by turnovers, man. We're going to clean it up. And against a defense that just is not very efficient in this Auburn team, I expect Stetson to come out there and sling the ball. Um, I expect him to have a big game through the air. And I expect us to be able to run the ball on these boys. This offensive line for Georgia came off a really big stinker last week. I think Kirby's going to have him have them buzzing he's going to light a fire under their tails they're going to come out here fire off the ball and get after these boys um i think it's going to be total domination from all the way around and i'm a georgia fan i'm a homer so hand up you know whatever you want to say this is my team but um i i don't see how you could look at the trends and look at how these teams stack up and think it's going to be anything else than an absolute butt whooping in athens on saturday so i see this game playing out very very similar to the south carolina game we played earlier this year um we talk about teams that like to turn the ball over. South Carolina, South Carolina loves to turn the ball over. Spencer Rattler has like four touchdowns, like eight interceptions so far this year. There's not many teams in college football that turn the ball over more than Auburn. Auburn has 12 turnovers through five games. That is the third most in FBS. They turn the ball over an insane amount. They, they are losing the turnover battle by a huge number. So we're talking about how important it is for Georgia to win a turnover battle. We know we struggled, over, struggled with it with, over the past two weeks. This is the game that you do it. This is the game that you come out and you win the turnover battle and you just put your foot on their throats. And you talk about a game that is as you know hyped up and as big as this game. Georgia going into a Missouri game, um, maybe we weren't as fired up as we should have been. I guarantee you it does not matter how talented an Auburn team is. They could be the worst team in the nation. And Georgia is going to come into this game like they're about to play them in the SEC championship. I guarantee you Kirby is going to have these boys fired up and they're going to be ready to play football. Um, They are about to go absolutely crazy. You mentioned it. Auburn is not very good on offense and they are also not very good on defense. Um, They are close to the bottom half in every single statistic in the SEC. When it comes to passing offense and rushing offense and passing defense and rushing defense, they are close to the they're in the bottom half of all those statistics in the SEC. Um, we talk about their new quarterback. I think it's Robbie Ashford, I believe is his name. Um, he's not much better than TJ Finley. He shows flashes, but he also likes to turn the ball over. Tanks, Tank Bigsby, one of the biggest wasted talents in college football to me. The dude is talented. Auburn's bad. It doesn't matter. He is not going to do anything in this game. I remember last year we went into a game against Kentucky um, and everybody was saying that our, you know, Chris Rodriguez was going to run the ball all over us. I think he had 12 carries for 12 yards. So, you know, Georgia, this is a game that we're going to be primed up for. We're going to be ready to play. And um, like you mentioned, Kenny, I think this is going to be a slaughter of a game on Saturday. Big time bounce back game for Georgia. If you're not fired up for this game, you need to check your pulse. And we, like we mentioned it. There's. Georgia struggled over the past two weeks. Don't get me wrong. We've won both games. We have struggled over the past two weeks. This is not the same Georgia team that we expected to see. Did you ask for a better time to see a mediocre Auburn team pop up on your schedule than after struggling two weeks in a row? Knowing damn well that you're already fired up because you've been sucking the past two weeks, Georgia. Now you're going against one of your huge rivals who's not a very good football team. And if you can hang 70 on them, you're going to hang 70 on them. Like, just like South Carolina, we will put the pedal down and we will not let up. Uh, guess what, Auburn? If we're up 35 to nothing at halftime, we're going to bring Carson Beck in and we're not going to change the game plan. He is going to throw the ball all over the yard on you. This is one of those games that you're, you don't care about the respect. You don't care about none of that stuff. You go in there and you try to beat this team by as many points as you can. 
I mean, this isn't. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. And, and like I just mentioned it, dude. If you're not fired up for this game, something's <laughs> wrong with you. From a player perspective, from a fan perspective, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's just it, it's 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 one of these games where, regardless of the scenario, and you mentioned it just a minute ago, this could be the worst team in college football. It's Georgia Auburn. These these fans are going to be fired up. These players are going to be fired up. I know these coaches are fired up, especially coming off two stinkers like we had against Kent and Missouri. Like. The perfect scenario for a get-right game, regardless of who you're playing, and it just so happens to be Auburn, it is going to be an ugly day for these Auburn Tigers. And you just mentioned, if it's 35 nothing at halftime, it don't matter. It don't matter. We'll send Carson Beck out there in the second half. He'll, th- he'll throw for two touchdowns. We'll give the ball to Cass Jones and Branson Robinson and let them run it down your throat. Like, it doesn't matter who you line up against us, man. We're coming at you. We're coming at you for four quarters. It's going to be ugly, and we are going to be head-hunting out there. And, and we mentioned the line, uh, 30 points. 30 points is a very significant amount, and I, I, I do think that, that that's a good number to put this line at. Um, but like, as, as, a, as a thing as whole, I think Georgia's getting a little bit more hate than what they should. If you look at the statistics over the last two games, Georgia has not been bad. Our problems come in red zone efficiency when it comes to putting the ball in the end zone and turning the ball over. If Georgia cleans up those two very, very small things that we know they can clean up, this team is right back on top. Like, (laughs) we are not a bad football team one bit. You take away some of these chunk plays on the defensive side of things, we are shutting teams out. Like, you take away a couple of these chunk plays against Missouri, that game, they scored three points. Like, I'm, I'm being, like, honest. If their fat kicker doesn't come out there and kick 50 yards every single time you get him anywhere close to the freaking, you know, anywhere close to field goal range after he misses a 20 yard game winner against Auburn last week. Um, that game, that game's a blowout. And, uh, you know, this Georgia team is right there. Like, I, I think that Georgia fans, which I don't even say Georgia fans, but it's like a whole, you know, everybody's looking at us, making fun of us for playing how we did against Missouri. But statistically, we were a very successful team last week. We did a lot of things very, very good last week. And the things that we did bad just kind of shot us in the back. And it's two things. It's a couple things that are very easy to clean up, and it's going to happen. And this just seems like the perfect situation for it to happen. Yeah, and the offense hasn't missed out at all. I mean, just under 1,000 yards in total <laughs> offense through the past two weeks. I mean, the offense is buzzing. We're just suffering from untimely turnovers and bad positions, giving the ball to the other team in plus territory. And that's where you see those inflated scoring numbers from the other team. Um, so don't get us wrong here. Have we been struggling efficiently? Yeah, absolutely we have. But we're going to clean those things up, man. And what a game to clean it up in this big rivalry game at home in Athens against Auburn. Like, it's just the perfect recipe for a butt whooping. So I'm going to throw something at you right here, Kenny. This is is something I just came up on top of my head, so I'm not really prepared for it either. Give me your most dynamic offensive player for this game and your most dynamic defensive player for this game. I, I want to hear your thoughts on the guys that are going to have the biggest impacts in this game. Your prediction for the offensive MVP and your defensive MVP for this game. Okay. Okay. Offensive MVP for this game. It, it's not the most flashy pick. It's the most obvious. Uh, Brock Bowers. Um, you come off a game last week where we did not use him in any way that we should have. We've been giving this guy the ball in the run game. He's been running the ball all over defenses. We've been throwing him the ball in the past game. He's been catching the ball, going up over guys, even in contested coverage. Like, 19's better than you are. It doesn't matter who you cover him with. And um, that's the same case here for Auburn. Um, Here's what I will say. This UGA offense, I believe, is 12th, the 12th ranked rushing offense in college football against Auburn, who struggles 
defending the run. So I think uh, if you get Brock Bowers the ball in the run game a little bit, get him the ball in the pass game a little bit, obviously the passing efficiency is bottom tier in the SEC for Auburn. Um, so I mean, Brock Bowers, I think, is just primed for a big game here. I'm looking also for a big get-back game for Ladd McConkey, man. Um, two weeks in a row where he's been dropping the ball, it's a guy I would put out there as a sleeper. Um, but, yeah, I'm going with Brock Bowers. I think he's going to be dynamic running and, and catching the ball. And I think, you know, after last week's kind of anomaly of a weird scheme game on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to do everything we can to get the ball in his hands more. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, who's, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'll be honest. I'm going to give you two guys. I'm going to give you two guys in this game. Um, he's been a little quiet. Both of them have. Both of them have been a little quiet. But this Auburn offensive line is bad. They give up the, fi- the fifth most pressures in college football. So, um, Nolan Smith, it's your time, buddy. It's time to show up and show out. You have the perfect opportunity to feast in this game against an inexperienced quarterback, against a bad offensive line. Um, you've been touted up as a top-five draft prospect all offseason, and you've had a quiet year so far. It's time for you to come out here and show everybody what you got. Um, also, Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo had a bad game last week. He, he, he was, you know, too physical. I don't want to say too physical. We love physicality here. But, you know, getting called for P.I., getting, getting, getting a little too flashy with the holds in the backfield, doing some crazy things that you just don't see, super uncharacteristic for Keely Ringo. Um, I'm looking for Keely Ringo to come out with a big interception here. Maybe a little, maybe a little NOT, non-offensive touchdown for Keely Ringo. Get a little pick six action like he did in the national championship. Um, I'd love to see it. So I'll, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Give you those two guys. I think um, you could see a big game out of either one of those boys. Okay, I, I love those answers. Um, I'll go ahead and give mine too. Um, you you kind of stole my offensive one. I, I think that if you ask majority of people week in, week out, who their offensive MVP is going to be going into the game, they're going to say Brock Bowers. So I, I was going to go the same route. But I'll give you something a little bit different since that's what you said. Uh, I'm going to go Kenny Mack. Kenny Mack, uh, obviously, he, he's has, he has a little bit of an injury. Uh, got hurt a little bit in the Kent State game. But Kenny Mack is going to be involved in this passing game. And when Kenny Mack gets involved in the passing game, this Georgia offense rolls, and they score a lot of points. We've had two down weeks in a row. I fully expect Todd Munkin and the guys to try to get Kenny Mack involved as much as they can in this passing game. And if Kenny Mack racks up eight receptions for 100 yards like he did you know, the first couple weeks of the season, this team's going to go crazy. Um, you, you talked about Ladd. This is Georgia having a bounce-back game kind of correlates with Ladd having a bounce-back game. If Ladd can come out and ball out like we're used to, this Georgia offense is also going to be rolling. There's so many dynamic pieces to this Georgia offense that if they roll, the Georgia offense is good. And when you talk about guys like Brock Bowers and Kenny Mack and Ladd McConkey, right now those are kind of our core three, that if those three guys are playing their game and balling out, this Georgia offense has a really, really high chance of being you know, a super dynamic offense. So I expect all three of those guys to have great weeks. Um, on the defensive side of things, you took one of mine. I, I'm, I'm going to go to the other side of the field. Um, Kamari Lasseter. I think this is going to be Kamari Lasseter's breakout game at Georgia. Um, I know JDJ, like we talked about, got in his face a little bit last week. Um, he, he's, had, he's had a little shaky season so far this year. But we know Kamari Lasseter is a very, very talented young man. And uh, he can play ball. And we haven't really seen it so far. At some point in the season this year, that, that switch is going to flip. And he is going to turn it on. He's going to recognize, okay, I can compete with these guys. And I'm going to ball out. So 
I'm going to go with Kamari Laster. I also had Keely Ringo in mind, but you already kind of covered Ringo. So I think these DBs are going to have a huge game. Um, Chris Smith and Malachi Starks and Ty Key, we know those guys are studs. We know those guys are going to come out and perform. JDJ, he's a guy that you can look at week in, week out. And you, he, you could argue he's the team MVP almost every week on the defensive side. So I'm going to leave those guys out of the conversation. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with our cornerback group with uh, Kamari Laster and Keely Ringo. I think that's a really, really good pick to be the team MVPs. Also, the pass rush. You mentioned it. This is a team that I think allows three sacks per game. It would be a great, great game to see Nolan Smith and Bobby Beal have a little bit of a breakout and, and rack up a couple pressures on this on this young Auburn quarterback. Absolutely, absolutely. And while we're out here throwing things in the air, I want to throw one at you, Jake. A little live action right here. Give me your – I want you to call your shot real quick, Jake. Call your shot. Give me your flyer. Impact play. A little, a little non-typical – impact play that we're going to see in this game maybe maybe it's a little trick play drawn up maybe it's a little crazy something drawn up or maybe it might be a defensive or special teams i don't know call your shot let's hear something that you think we could potentially see against auburn this week so this is something that we have not seen much of but i i have a firm feeling it's going to happen this season at some point and it's either going to be lad mcconkey or it's going to be kiaris jackson we are going to see a kick or punt returned for a touchdown this game against Auburn. Rather that be Lad McConkey in the punt game, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Kiaris Jackson in the kick return. I think that Kiaris, you know, he has he has some nice speed. He can get out there and do his thing. I think Kiaris, or maybe, you know, sometimes you see guys kind of flip around the kick return game. Sometimes it's not always the same guy. I'm going to go with Kiaris Jackson scoring a kick return touchdown this game against Auburn. I like that. I like that. I'm calling my shot here. I'm throwing it out there. Against Auburn on Saturday, we're going to see a Lad McConkey touchdown pass hey i love it i i love it so much georgia needs to start getting more flashy with their play calling we saw it pretty early on in the season play calling's got a little bit more vanilla as the season goes on and the georgia offenses began to struggle let's get flashy again monkin if you're listening to this podcast i don't think you are but if you are if you're listening to this podcast listen to us let's get our boy lad a passing touchdown preferably a philly special go ahead and toss one up to stats that can come down with it that's right. Lad McConkey, high school quarterback. He's a Georgia boy. I want to say, ooh, I put myself on the spot here. I think he's a Murray County boy. That sounds right. Um, I will give it to you in just a couple seconds. But yeah, this is a guy who, you know, in high school, you put your best athlete at quarterback and just let North it ride. Murray. North, North Murray is a high school. North Murray. So, all right. So all right. All right. Pretty money right there, Kenny. Good stuff. I appreciate that. I thought I thought so. Uh, Lad McConkey, hometown boy. He's a Georgia boy and uh, played quarterback in high school, like I just mentioned. So I don't think it'd be the weirdest thing in the world, but I'd love to see it, man. Lad McConkey, touchdown pass. Go ahead, mark it on your books. We're going to see that Saturday. I also have another one in mind, and I don't want to go too far into speculation stuff. I could easily see in my mind right now, Auburn tries to get a little something funky, a little, little screen pass going, and Nolan flies around the end, jumps up, puts two hands up, tips the ball, catches the ball at the 20-yard line and just takes it 20 yards for a tud. Like, I, I, that is something else I have envisioned right now in my head. So hopefully, when we talk about this next week, we will be saying how big of football genes we are, and all three of these things happen. If all three of these things happen, that's uh, that's 21 points already accounted for. So, you know, <laughs> we're rolling. So ho- hopefully that's what that's what goes down going into, going into next week's podcast. That's right, and you just missed it with Todd Munkin. He's a big fan of this show. I know he listens every week. Todd Munkin. If these three things happen, you go ahead and send. We'll, we'll send in our resume. Go ahead and hire us, man. Uh, we'll come in there and, and show the boys what's up. You know, we'll get we'll, we'll get draw some things up. Get the boys buzzing. Um, but yeah, obviously we mentioned it in the past episodes. We're statisticians, bona fide statisticians. 
statisticians. Yeah. And we had a big it. debate on what the word was, but statistician, let's go. That, that's us. It is. All right, oh. man. Well, we, we got a little we got a little off the burner there, but it was fun. It was fun. We covered a couple of things. But, yeah, now what it all boils down to is we expect an absolute butt whooping to, to go down in Sanford Stadium on Saturday, and the dogs are going to come out with a big victory, big get-right game for multiple players, but for the team as a whole, man, we need it. We need it. Fans need it. We need to sh- show that spark and come out here and, and give these boys a ride, and I truly believe in my heart and my soul that it's going to happen. So let's go ahead and dive into the next to the next segment here. Uh, last week we introduced a new segment where we kind of broke down our bets from a, a little bit of a different standpoint. We picked one favorite, one underdog, one over, and one under in college and the NFL. And uh, Jake and I, we mentioned it yesterday. Jake, ball dude, seven and one. I finished out even four and four. So um, you know, pretty good, pretty good numbers if you're looking at it from a show standpoint. So we're looking to carry that momentum into this week and hopefully do the same thing. So. Let's go ahead and kick it off with our four bets for college football this week. And, you know, probably at the end of this thing, we'll wrap it up and talk about some games that we're looking at, you know, as far as the whole slate goes for, for both sides, uh, college ball and pro ball. Pro ball, But um, let, let's talk about our favorite dogs, overs, and unders this week. Um, Jake, why don't you go ahead and kick it off with your favorite for the week in college football. Okay, so I'm going to kick this off with an absolute banger, one that you might not agree with me on, Kenny. Uh, this, this, this could cause some uh, stuff. When I'm looking at games and I, I'm seeing what I'm seeing on these lines, my favorite of the week, I am going with Utah minus four at UCLA. Hey. UCLA is undefeated right now. UCLA is five and zero. Oh. Um, they have a quarterback over there, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's been playing really, really good ball. Defenses look pretty solid. They uh, actually Michael Penix put up about three fifty three touch, but they did, they did force two turnovers. And they just had a big win last week against Washington. But in my heart, I still cannot believe that UCLA is a good football team because I feel like we have not seen it in so, so long. Um, going to the other side of the thing, we all know Utah disappointed us all so much in week one against Florida. That is, there's no, there's no going against it. There's no lie. But an early season game for a team like Utah going down to the swamp in Florida where it's 120 degrees on the field, you cannot ask for a tougher environment. Ever since that game against Florida, Utah has been absolutely rolling. When we going into the year, we all thought Utah was going to be a very, very good football team. And I'm thinking about it from a perspective going into the season. If you would have told me at any point in the year, um, Utah was going to be favored by only four against UCLA before the season started, I would hit it. I'm not going to fall off of it now. I got Utah minus four. Obviously, a big, big, big Pac-12 matchup right here that could that could definitely determine a lot when it comes to their rankings and how how they go into the, you know, how they go into their conference championship games and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm really excited about this game. I'm gonna keep my eye on it, but I love that line where it's at. And I believe you can probably get a little bit lower right now. ESPN showing me three and a half. I don't know what FanDuel is showing you right now, Kenny. Um, I, I have it in my notes and I have it at four, but maybe we have a line change since then. Um, you pull up FanDuel. I, I probably should have this pull up for I'm looking right now. Got you. And, and while I'm looking it up, I'll tell you that uh, this game is contingent on chip kelly's headwear um <laughs> fanduel's got this at three and a half so you can get utah minus three and a half and if i were to if i were to have a dog in this fight i would lean towards utah at three and a half but let me tell you one thing if chip kelly shows up wearing a standard ball cap um i'm all over utah minus three and a half but if this man shows up wearing a visor i'm nervous i'm nervous yeah it, it, it gets nervous whenever chip kelly throws the visor on uh we know he's a guy that has a lot of head coaching experience Things can get kind of uh, 
shaky. And um, it is cool to see them have some success. Like I said, UCLA is not really a team we've seen have a ton of success in recent years. So it is nice to see them have success. And, you know, if they continue to go, you know, 6-0 going into week seven next week, it's going to be, you know, a really, really big deal for them. I just don't see it happening, man. Utah is a very, very good football team right now. And in recent games, they've put up a lot of points. I feel so weird talking about this in this aspect because I feel like I'm downplaying UCLA and what they've done so far this year. Don't get me wrong. UCLA has also put up a lot of points. I just mentioned they just beat a really, really, really good Washington team last week. You know, Utah really hasn't played. I don't think they've really played a team of that competition quite yet this year other than Florida, which they lost. But I, I, I am still going off what I saw last year and going into this year. Utah returns a lot of starters off last year. And, you know, it, it, it's a very similar team to what they had. I, I think that they're going to play a very good football team this week. I like that. I, I would lean towards that side as well. Um, let's talk about my favorite of the week. My favorite of the week is Old Miss minus 16 and a half at Vandy. Um, I know the Vandy quarterback situation is a little weird. We're big, big Mike Wright show. Dude's a baller. He can come out there and sling the ball around. He hasn't been playing lately. I think he had a little concussion situation a couple weeks ago. I don't know what his status is headed into this game. But regardless, man, um, Old Miss is a team that really impressed me last week against Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's a good football team. They got a good quarterback. They got a good offensive line. They're physical. They play hard nosed ball. And uh, Ole Miss came out with a big win there. So Ole Miss is a team that's really impressed me. Um, Jackson Dart, he started off the year a little slow, but he started to pick it up. He looks like a really, really good quarterback for this for this Rebel team. And you know what Lane Kiffin can do with anybody back there. Lane Kiffin is an offensive mastermind. He's a guru. He can do several different things to attack you on the offensive side of the ball. So I think 16 and a half is just not enough points for me here. So I'm on Ole Miss minus 16 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, Vanderbilt is a team that has has a has a pretty solid offense this year, but they do not play any defense at all. And uh, this is a situation where Ole Miss actually plays a, pretty, a, a decent little defense out there. I'm not going to say it's the best defense in the world, but they do play a little decent defense. I, I can see this game getting out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's head into our underdogs, man. I'll kick it off. You kicked us off on the last one. My underdog of the week, I've got Arkansas plus nine and a half at Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State's a good team, man. That Will Rogers kid, he can ball. He's very efficient. He throws the ball a lot. We talk all the time about how that – that offensive scheme that um, that that the year after year is just slinging the ball and, and it's kind of hard to grade a quarterback in that system because the volume is so high. But Will Rogers is kind of an anomaly because he's throwing the ball 50, 55 times a game and he's I think completing like 73% of his passes, which is nuts. This dude is super efficient. Um, so this Mississippi State team, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm picking Arkansas to win, but this Arkansas team I think is suffering a little bit from that Georgia bug, man. They had a couple letdown games. Um, obviously, they you know the A and M they lose at A and M they lose at Bama and it, it just you know you get a little bad taste in your mouth where Georgia came out on the winning side of both of their little stinkers. But um, I think people are a little down on Arkansas. I don't think Mississippi State is nine and a half points fe- better than this Arkansas team. So I think nine and a half is a little bit too much for me. I think they'll cover that. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, obviously, I've I've been somebody that's been really really high on Arkansas that's died off over the past couple weeks. I think they played a pretty big stinker, I want to say, against like center, Central Michigan or something like that, and then they went and lost to Texas A&M, and then they just went, you know, played a little bit of a disappointing game against Alabama, but you are 100% right. That Arkansas team is a lot better than nine and a half points worse than Mississippi State. Like, I know Mississippi State just played a hell of a game against Texas A&M. That Texas A&M team is, uh, is, is a mess right now, though, to, to describe the situation they're going through. So, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock in that game last week or the game that they played against Arkansas. It was, it was a little bit of a fluky game. The game went a field goal that Arkansas tried to kick, bounced off the top of the goalpost. Tell me how many times you've seen that happen before. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of this has been 
I'm going to take a little, little outside take on this. This has been one of the most fun uh, games. This has been one of the most fun seasons of college football, especially on the SEC side of things. We talked about yesterday a lot of, you know, close, close football in the SEC, a lot of tough matchups and teams kind of beating up on each other. And to see this game, which seems like a key, key time to be one of those tight games, nine and a half points. I, I agree with you. I would take Arkansas all day long. Um, I, I will dive into my underdog, and I will say this is a week that is full of pretty, pretty interesting underdogs. We have Houston plus three against Memphis. Um, we have Kansas plus seven against TCU. We have Oklahoma plus seven against Texas. We have uh, BYU plus three and a half at Notre Dame. There's a lot of lot of very intriguing lines here that I'm seeing, but the line it's that I, the line I am going to roll with. Is Missouri plus ten and a half at Florida? All right. I think this Missouri team is is good. Not I, okay. I'm I'm gonna rewind a little bit. Let, let me let me rewind and take back the words I just said. I, I I blurted it out a little bit too fast. I think this Missouri team is decent, and I think this Florida team is decent. So I just put them in the same word description. It means I don't think these teams are too far apart. Um, ten and a half points. That's a lot of points to give. Um, we've seen Florida play football. Anthony Richardson can pull you into a game, and he can lead you to a really, really tight game against a really, really good team when he's on. But when he is off, he is one of the worst quarterbacks in college football. There is no way around it with AR fifteen. Some weeks you'll watch him, and he looks great, like against Tennessee. I watched Anthony Richardson. He played a hell of a football game against Tennessee. And then some weeks you watch him play against like University of Southern Florida, and he struggles. So. This, this is the up-and-down season for AR. Um, we just saw Missouri come out and play a great game against Georgia. Obviously, they played a game against uh, Auburn. They should have won. Auburn went on to play a really, really tough game against LSU that they arguably should have won. So I don't think Missouri, this Missouri team is too bad. In uh, 10.5, I, I love that line. I, I, I will take Missouri plus 10.5 all day at Florida. No, I like that. I thought about that as well. Um, ended up going with Arkansas, but, but I do like it, and I agree with you. Um, all right, let's head into our over. I'll let you kick it off, Jake. Who's your over the week in college ball? Okay, so we talked about this a lot at the start of the podcast. This is my hint that I'm going to give you. A lot of unders have hit in this, in, this, uh, in this long, historic rivalry. But I'm going to go over 49.5 Auburn at Georgia. This You're just making the trends. Yes, I, I am breaking the trends. It has to break at some point. This game right here, I could very possibly see a 45-10 to 10 game. I, I, I don't think that we are going to keep Auburn completely out the end zone. I, I do think the that Auburn will be able to put up very, very minimal points on us, but they will put up some points on us. I don't I don't think that we're going to be able to completely stop them. That's a hard thing to do in four quarters of football. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, obviously, this Georgia defense is star-studded and um, amazing, but uh, we see it in college football all the time. One busted play leads to seven points. And where, with the line that is 49 and a half and how good this Georgia offense is, all you might need from Auburn is seven points to get this over covered because Georgia might come out here and drop. Georgia might cover the line by themselves. So I, I, I love that. I love that pick. Um, like you said, the trends go against it, but sometimes you got to break the trends and uh, trust your gut a little bit. And that, that's what we're going to do right here. I'm going to go over 49 and a half Auburn at Georgia. And gambling, we talk about it all the time. You're either hot or you're due. So either this under streak is hot or they're due for an over. It's got to so break at some way, point. Either way you look at it, 
you know, you, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So I respect it. I respect it. Um, my over is uh, probably the most unsurprising over that I've ever given on this show because I do it every single week, and I'm going to keep doing it. They, they let me down last week. They did, but it's the first time they let me down so far, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop back on my horse. I'm going to trot back out here, and, I, and I'm going to follow suit. I'm going to roll with my boys. I'm rolling with little Tua. We got Purdue at Maryland over 58 and a half. When I see Maryland on the sports book and I look at the over and I see a five, I immediately take it. I don't think about it. I immediately take it. 58 and a half. I'll take that all day long. I respect it. Maryland is a team that can put up a lot of points. Uh, most of the time I kind of lead the same way that you do with, uh, besides my team, I usually roll with his army. I, I like to roll with the army o- overs, but I think army scored seven points last week. So I'm, I'm hopping off that trend right now. I am I am jumping I am jumping out the door on that trend. Well, let's go into our unders, man. Last one for college ball. Um I'll kick it off. My under of the week is Duke at Georgia Tech under fifty four and a half. Um Georgia Tech had a big game against Pitt last week. It was super weird, man. Nobody expected it to end like that. They come out with a big win. Um but you know, don't get me wrong, this Georgia Tech program is in shambles. They are a bad, bad, bad football team. And Duke has really surprised me. I think Duke can put some points up on you. They got a good quarterback. They're coming out there. They're throwing the ball. They're playing really good offense. Um, the defense is not great, but when you're playing a team like Georgia Tech, I don't think your defense has to be great. When I see 54 and a half, I'm just not sure that either team is going to get there quickly. And uh, you give me four quarters for both of these teams to add up for a total of 54 and a half. I, I just don't see it getting there. Um, it's an ACC matchup in Atlanta. Um, or Roswell, I guess I should say, for Georgia Tech fans. Um, so it, it's weird, man, but uh, 54 and a half, I think it's a pretty good number to take the under at in this game. No, I like it. Um, obviously, conference matchups kind of, you know, they kind of get a little intense sometimes. You like to see some of those. Sometimes you expect them to be really, really high-scoring, hard-fought games, and uh, they turn out to be low-scoring, just like, you know, nose the grindstone type games, which this is one I could definitely see happening. Um, Georgia Tech can come out and play some gritty football every once in a while, and... Uh, I expect to see it against a Duke team, which I, I think that they should be confident. And, you know, this is a game that Georgia Tech can win. And anytime you're a lower end team and you see a game on your schedule that you know that you have a chance to win in, you're going to come out and play the best you can. Like, it, it's a given. You want to get as many wins as you can. Um, so I, I, I do like that a lot. Um, I will say this. This is one of those games to me that you can kind of put a little, little double bet on. I'm, I'm going to say it just like this. I would put two separate bets. One on Duke minus three and a half and one on the under 54 and a half. Because if this game goes over 54 and a half, Duke blew out Georgia Tech. I said the same thing earlier with Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Amen. It, it, it worked out decently. <laughs> um, so yeah. that is the only way this game goes over is if, if Duke just comes out and slaughters Georgia Tech. That is that is all I'm going to say. Georgia Tech is not going to put up. I, I, it's hard to see Georgia Tech putting up more than 20 points. 24 points is what I'm giving them max. Like against one of the worst, like they could play the worst defense in college football. I still don't think that offense is going to be able to produce much. So I, I, I really, really like that pick, Kenny. I think that's a really, really good go with. Um, you, that kind of leads me into mine. Um, and this, this is kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a lower total. But uh, I'm going to go with South Carolina at Kentucky under 49. I don't like the South Carolina offense, and Kentucky has shown in a lot of games that Kentucky is not a super high scoring football team. I could easily see this game being like a classic, like 24 to 10, like NFL score style game because Kentucky tends to give you games like that very, very frequently. Like I I feel like Kentucky is one of those teams that you don't really ever see any like 40 something to 30 something, you know, final score total. So 
I, I really like that. South Carolina is a team that likes to turn the ball over a lot. Kentucky's a team that likes to have possession of the ball a lot. So um, that, that that's going to be my role with. Uh, this is going to be a game I'm going to keep my eye on. Um, South Carolina is nowhere near the team that I, I thought they were going to be going to the year. And Kentucky's the same Kentucky we've seen for the past four or five years now. They're just consistently good football team. Well, and I'll say this, too, to kind of echo what you just mentioned, man. Um, this, uh, th- this, this Kentucky team, they, they play a, a kind of weird offense. Will Levis is a really good player, but they don't put up a lot of points. And they play really physical defense. So you talk about a matchup with South Carolina. South Carolina is a much worse football team than Ole Miss. And the Kentucky-Ole Miss game went under 49. Yes, yes, definitely. I think that um, my only worry about this is that Kentucky comes out and can score 30-plus. And then, you know, South Carolina come out and scratch across 14. And then it kind of messes me up a little bit. But even then, that that's when it gets like, you know, still it's still tight at that point. Like, that is still... You're still somewhere in the under if it's a 30 to 14 game. So I, I don't see this. I don't see South Carolina be able to put up a ton of points on Kentucky. And like you just mentioned, Kentucky's not a team that really blows anybody out. So I I definitely like the under total in that. I like that. I'm gonna give a bonus pick here. It's not following suit. It's just something that I saw and something that I will be on Saturday. And uh, let me go ahead and tell y'all that if I'm giving you a pick, I'm on it as well. So if you're looking to ride, you're riding with me. Um, and this is one that, that I'm most certainly going to be on, so I wanted to go ahead and get ahead of the curve and let y'all know. Um, UGA minus seven, first quarter against Auburn. Um, you sign me up for that every day and twice on Saturday. Um, the dogs are going to be winning by more than a touchdown in this Auburn game. Um, they're going to come out firing. We've already talked about it. Auburn's going to be toting a, a butt-whooping back to Auburn, Alabama. So um, minus seven in the first quarter. I think I don't want to use that L-O-C-K word. I, I don't want to use it here, but that is a very – Quality pick. Very quality pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, I'll tell you one pick that I have, too, that I, I didn't want to put as a lock. But it's a game I want to keep a close eye on because it's going to be a fun football game to watch. I love North Carolina plus three and a half at, at Miami. Miami is a bad football team. North Carolina can rack up points on you Quick, if Middle Tennessee can blow you out, I guarantee you North Carolina can. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they can play you out. And to see them as an underdog, I know that you look at the prestiges of these schools and it's kind of crazy to see it, like, try to think that North Carolina is a better football team than Miami. But it's true. I firmly believe North Carolina is a better football team than Miami. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I think that they have a chance to beat Miami by, if I can find an alternate spread and I can get Miami, uh, North Carolina minus six and a half at like crazy plus money. I will jump on that all day long. I like that a lot. I like the North Carolina team. That that Drake May kid, dude, he is the truth. Yes, he's he's a top 10 quarterback in college football that does not really get talked about because he plays at North Carolina. And 100%. if you want to watch if you want to watch fun football, I will say this to people out there. App State has consistently been one of the most fun teams to watch in college football this season. They have played so many fun, just fun, like, games for college football fans to watch. North Carolina's kind of like that, too. One of the games App State that played that was fun was against North Carolina. If you just want to sit down and watch an entertaining college football game, just turn on North Carolina game. They tend to be a very, very entertaining team to watch because they don't play much defense, and they put up a boatload of points, which is always a fun thing. Thing with Miami is Miami played Middle Tennessee and could barely scratch across twenty. So I don't know. Even, I don't know if they'll be able to put points up on them. That offense looks terrible. It does. It does. And uh, Drake May looks like the reincarnation of Sam Howell. 
Yes. And uh, so far from what we've seen, and I don't want to reach this because Sam Howell was an amazing college football quarterback. Don't get me wrong. This guy might be playing for a, a job in the league at some point with the Washington Commanders right now. I know Carson Wentz is putting together a solid little season, but uh, I know that they were raving about what he was doing with Washington before in the preseason and everything. This guy might be better. Might be. He might be a better passer of the football than Sam Howell, which is pretty crazy to say because there was times whenever me and Kenny both thought Sam Howell could be a top 20 pick in the NFL draft. And we're saying that a true freshman might be a better football player than that. And honestly, if the NFL needed more quarterbacks right now, he probably would have been a first-round pick. The only issue is that every single team pretty much has their guy right now, so it kind of makes the quarterbacks a little bit, a little bit fringy going into the draft. Yeah, that that's very, very true. Um, yeah, Drake May, dude, yeah, all the, all power to you, all credit to you. The dude's an absolute stud. Um, all right, let's round it out, college ball. Let's head into the men's league, Jake. Let's talk about our bets um, in the in the NFL. I'll go ahead and kick it off here with my favorite, my favorite of the week, and I'm gonna put a little disclaimer here and say that. When you pull up this NFL line, this this NFL slate, the favorites look a little wishy-washy. Oh, Lord. <sighs> Tell me about it. Wasn't very many teams I was too confident about on the favorite side of things. Um, so I went with my gut. I went with one that I think is probably the most likely scenario, and that is the Minnesota Vikings minus seven against the Bears. Yes, uh, I, I love that. And like I just want to, before we get too far into it, I want to also jump on that. There are so many big, big, Big favorites this week. It makes it so hard in the men's league to jump on a huge favorite. But when we talk about Minnesota, Chicago, Chicago is an awful football team. So I Bad. I can roll with you on that one. Yeah, dude. I think Minnesota, you know, Kirk Cousins is an underrated quarterback. And I know there's kind of a stigma out there about Kirk Cousins, especially in primetime games. But in a game against this Bears team where they just really haven't been able to get their bearings about him, you know, we love Justin Fields. Uh, he, he's an amazing college quarterback, and I have a lot of faith that he'll turn into a really good NFL quarterback. But they're just not doing him any favors on the offensive side of the ball. That offensive line is putrid. Um, they got a new coaching staff coming in there. So, you know, hopefully they can get things figured out. But they just haven't been able to put up many points. The defense lost a lot of guys. They're just not really what they used to be in years past. And uh, this Vikings team can put some points up on you real quick. So um, I'm not super confident in it, but if I'm looking at, you know, kind of these big lines that you see for the favorites in the NFL this week, that's probably the one that my gut felt the best about. Um, so I'm on Minnesota minus seven right there. No, I, I really like that pick. And I, and I went a little bit opposite from you. I was trying to find something a little bit closer. Um, yep. And the pick I rolled with was – uh. The Los Angeles Chargers minus two and a half at Cleveland. Um, okay. I just think this Chargers team is better. I think this Chargers team is significantly better than that Browns team. Um, we talk about Browns team. Their whole offense is is the run game, pretty much. Um, obviously, Amari Cooper has had, had really good success this year, but that pass, that pass game is not what you worry about when you face the Cleveland Browns. That is not what you are circling on your on your sheets, what you're preparing for going into the week against Cleveland, you're preparing for Nick Chubb to absolutely try to run the ball down your throat every single play. This Chargers team is a really, really good football team. I know that they had a complete stinker against Jacksonville a little bit earlier this year, but don't fall off this Chargers team, y'all. This Chargers team is legit. Herbie is one of the best quarterbacks in football. I know he's still dealing with a little bit of a with a little bit of a rib injury, but he is a stud. I, I think the char- I think this game could potentially get ugly relatively quickly and you know I, I don't know if that uh run game is just going to be able to keep them in this game straight up with the Chargers. i feel like that spreads a little bit too close for me especially on a week where you see so many huge spreads 
Kenny, uh, you're having a little bit of uh, audio issue. No mic, no mic audio. Can you hear me now? Oh, uh, you're clean and crispy. Okay, okay. Um, I was just saying, man, I, that's that's another game that I looked at, so I, I like that pick a lot. I considered taking it and landed on Minnesota. Um, but if I was to take another game, it would be that one. So I, I like that pick a lot. Who? Um, I'll let you kick it, off, kick it off on the next one. Who is your underdog of the week? Okay, so my underdog of the week, and I absolutely love this pick, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys plus five and a half at the Los Angeles Rams. For one particular reason, this Rams offensive line is bad. You know who the Dallas Cowboys have rushing the quarterback? Marcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. They are going to feast on an already pretty, uh, I don't know if it's still the injury or what's going on with Matthew Stafford. They're going to tear him up. And we've seen this chart, this Rams team, this Rams team has been pretty disappointing this year. Dallas has been playing really, really good football under Cooper Rush. He is the first Dallas quarterback to ever start off his, his career 4-0 as a starting quarterback, which is crazy when you think about such a historic franchise. They are playing really good football right now with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Uh, I know they're playing in L.A., which is, which is significant, but I, I don't think that this game is going to get out of hand. I think that Dallas is going to play a competitive game against them. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Rams at home, but they are going to play very, very tight against the Rams. Um, it's going to be a huge game for... Our, our beloved Trayvon Diggs, um, Mr. Mr. 13 interceptions and over a thousand yards given up in a season. <laughs> but he has looked good this year. I will say that Trayvon Diggs looks like a better player this year when it comes to all around pass coverage. Uh, he's, he's looking like more complete cornerback. Um, and we know how this Rams team is. They have Cooper Cup and you watch him play Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby seem like that is the only thing they have working on that offense right now, which is which is kind of a sad case. And you see an offense with guys like uh Allen Robinson and Cam Akers and uh, the other, why is his name? Daryl Henderson. Like they have weapons, but it just seems like they're not really putting it all together right now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that Rams team, but they've been struggling. And Cooper Rush has got the boys buzzing in Dallas. Um, yes. All right, my underdog of the week. I'm on Seattle plus five and a half at New Orleans. Um, Geno Smith is notorious for covering spreads, um, and he's been playing a really good ball. Um, I think he was the. NFC player of the week, I want to say, on the offensive side of the ball? I think so. Um, so a, a guy that, and you look at the, the, the lineup, him and Russell Wilson, comparing Geno in Seattle to Russell in Denver, and he is just beating him in every aspect, which is hilarious to think. Um, but Geno Smith, dude, he's been a dog all year long. This Seattle team will put some points up on you. They play good fundamental defense. Um, and the Saints team, we're just not too sure. I know Jameis Winston and... Um, Michael Thomas both missed practice again today after not playing last week. So I, 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 they, they're dealing with a little bit of an injury bug there. So uh, they're rolling with Andy Dalton, I believe, unless Jameis gets healthy between now and Sunday. So um, I'm looking at this game, uh, and I, I like Seattle plus five and a half. I may even take a little sprinkle of Seattle money line in this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that pick. Uh, I don't think the Saints team is very good. I know they beat the Falcons uh, week one, but they should have not beat the Falcons. If the Falcons would have kept that foot on the pedal, would have limited turnovers a little bit. The Falcons would have beat the Saints by 20 points. And honestly, we talk about it. We played Seattle. We played the Saints through through uh, four weeks so far this year. If you want to say what team gave us the better game, the Seattle Seahawks gave us the better game complete compared to the Saints. The Saints came back, and the Saints scored a ton of points in you know the second half, came back in the fourth quarter and beat us. But you want to say a complete like nose to nose, head to head game, completely like to the wire all the way down at the end. 
Seahawks played as a better game. I The Seahawks might be a better team than the Saints, which sounds crazy to say, just right now thinking about what's going on with Seattle and stuff. Uh, DK's turned it back on, which is, is a very significant thing. When DK is on, DK is almost unstoppable. It's it's crazy how good he is. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is going to have his hands full with that wide receiver group. And, you know, we talked about Geno a little bit last week, I want to say, or maybe a week before. You know, they, you know, the way that they run offense is, is, is a little bit unique. They're not really, you know, the team that's going to take the top off of you. They're more of the team that's going to, you know, dink and dunk their way down the field, and it works for them. So, you know, it, it's a tough offense to stop in the league. We saw the Saints do it for years with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. So they're going to get a little bit of taste of their own medicine this coming up week against, uh, against the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that brings me in to the next pick. The over, and this is my favorite pick of the week. I've got two big old stars next to this one. And this is the over 45 and a half in the Detroit Lions New England Patriots game. The Detroit Lions. Yes, listeners, y'all heard me right. The Detroit Lions are the number one scoring offense in the NFL. But what, but one, what, sc- but what they don't what what don't they do? Oh, I'll tell you what they don't do. They can't stop Offenses, the number one scoring offense in the NFL and dead last in defense. They allow the most points in the league and score the most points in the league. If you show me a Detroit Lions line, knowing all of that, and it's 45 and a half, I don't care who they're playing, I'm on it. I am on it. I know the Patriots are got a big question mark at quarterback. Mac Jones is still battling that foot injury or whatever he's dealing with. I saw he was limited in practice today, so he may be on his way back. But it doesn't matter, man. Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, Bailey Zappi came out there and played good. Um, it don't matter if you run a peewee football team out there. You're going to score some points against the Detroit Lions, and guess what? These Lions are going to score some points on you. So 45 and a half, sign me up for that all day long. That is my favorite pick of the week in the NFL. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Amon Ra missed last week. Amon Ra's coming back healthy this week. We all know the, uh, the Jared Goff, Amon Ra, St. Brown connection is there. One of the best connections in the NFL if you watch it week in, week out. Um, I don't know about DeAndre Swift's situation, but guess what? It doesn't matter because the other guy they have, um, damn, Jamal Williams, whenever he's on the field, he's playing like a top 10 running back right now. So <laughs> who cares? This guy's scoring two touchdowns a game, it seems like. Every time you watch the Lions play, you check his fantasy numbers. This dude's putting up crazy numbers. Uh, and like you mentioned, Patriots are going to put up some points. They don't even have to throw the ball. If they just stuff the ball down the line throats with Ramondre Stevenson and uh, Damian Harris, they're going to get some points on the board. The Patriots have a really, really good running back duo right there with those guys. This game could, it, I think that the Patriots could put up 20 plus by themselves. And if they're putting up 20 plus, the Lions are going to put up 30 plus. Like there's, there's no doubt in my mind that this is, this is going to go over that. I, I would definitely lean that same way with you. And that kind of leads me into uh, my overpick. And it, it's not the same pick. I do like the one you went with, but I'm going to go over 40 and a half uh, Giants at Packers. Um, we've, yeah. seen, we've seen this Giants offense. Um, they have been a little bit questionable still in the pass protection game. Daniel Jones is that they're trying to make plays. I was not a big Daniel Jones guy going into the year. I've not been a big fan of it, but after watching him play a little bit this year, he is not the problem with that. Um, their one saving grace this year on the offensive side of the ball that's kind of moved them past, their, past where they were last year is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is back, y'all. This guy is yeah. back. He is an absolute baller again. This guy can run on any defense in football. There's no doubt in my mind he could do that. Um, you know, they, they, have, they have plenty of guys on the offensive side that can make things happen. Um, we look at the Packers. 
Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, uh, they're going to put up some points. I am pretty excited to see this game, and 40 and a half just seems like such a low total for a game like this. Um, I mean, I know we always talk about it sometimes whenever a total is low like that and it looks too low to be true. Um, it's probably because they know something we don't know, and that game's probably going to go under. But uh, I, I couldn't pass up on seeing a, seeing a Giants-Packers matchup at 40, 40 and a half. I had to hit the over on that. I love that. I love that. Um, and, and, you know, the Packers, they they might drop 40 themselves. So I got Steelers-Jets last week. I picked the under in the Steelers-Jets last week, and I want to say it was more points than what we're getting right now with the Giants-Packers, which is pretty crazy to me. Yeah, dude, I, I love that a lot. I don't, I don't think if you're anywhere around that 40 mark, it's just not enough points regardless of who you're playing. And the Giants, man, they've been playing good football. They really yeah. have. And uh, the Packers, they start off a little slow. I know A-Rod's got to work with uh, with some young weapons, a little depleted receiving core. But, um, you know, he, he's got it figured out. He's been buzzing the past couple weeks. So, no, I love that pick. Yeah, and you mentioned it yourself. The Packers could have put up 40 themselves. Uh, we know Daniel Jones' turnover situation. Um and we know what the Packers have on that defensive front. They have a lot of studs on the defensive front with guys like Rashawn Gary and uh, I, who who is their other guy? One, they still have one of the Smith brothers, right? They got Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, like they have they have a lot of guys on that defensive front that could easily get to Daniel Jones and force one of those classic, classic uh, you know, swipe across the hand fumbles and uh, just yeah. put them right in right in right in scoring position right away. So I, I think that this game could very very easily go over that forty and a half. I agree, hundred percent. Um. Let's head into our final one in the NFL, our under of the week. Jake, I'll let you kick it off here. So our under of the week, I'm going to touch back on a game that you had mentioned earlier for one of your picks, and I'm going to go under 46 for the Seahawks at the Saints. Um, we talk about the Seahawks offense. Geno Smith and the guys, they, uh, they've been rolling pretty decent this year, a lot better than what I think a lot of people have expected from them. Um, but we have seen them get into some situations where they have not scored a lot of points. And I will tell you honestly, I don't love this Saints offense. I think that Alvin Kamara is uh, washed at this point. Is 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 a term I'm going to use? Um, is he playing right now? Is Alvin Kamara even playing football? No clue. I feel like I feel like that that's kind of he's he's, he's become at the, to the point where he is irrelevant in the NFL, which is kind of a sad case. Makes me feel like I'm getting old when a guy that was you know top tier guy a couple of years back and now he's he's almost like you don't even think of him. But you know that's the glory of running backs in the NFL. They have a Great, great, great prime, and then their drop off is faster than anything you've ever seen in your life. Um, you can go, you can get, you can turn from a two, a twelve hundred yard rusher to a out of the league in two years. That's how the league works. We saw it with Todd Gurley. We've seen it with a couple guys before. Um, in the Saints team, I, I mentioned it. I, I don't, I don't really love their offense too much. I do think that they play a decent defense, a decent enough defense where I don't think that Seattle's going to be able to put up a ton of points on them. Um, forty six seems like a little bit too many, too many points for me. So I, I'm going to go under the forty six. I like that. I like that a lot, and that kind of carries me into what I'm looking at for my under of the week, and that is the Miami Dolphins, New York Jets, under 45 and a half. Um, if you listen last week, a bet that I hit on was the under 46 and a half Dolphins Bengals, and that was assuming Tua was playing. Um, and Tua played obviously the whole situation with him and concussion protocol and the um, you know independent doctor that got fired by the NFLPA all that stuff we won't dive too much into that but under 46 and a half hit in that game uh, newsflash uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are a better football team than the New York Jets yes and the Miami Dolphins 
still do not have Tua. Tua has already been ruled out for this game, so you're going to see Teddy Bridgewater line up against the Jets. Um, I know the Jets got Zach Wilson back. I like Zach Wilson. He's a really dynamic player. He's got a bright future. Uh, I put him right there in that kind of Justin Fields scenario of he's kind of been put in a tough position on a tough team, and uh, he's having to overcome a couple things. Um, but Zach Wilson, you know, with all that being said, it's still Zach Wilson. He's a young quarterback. He's an inexperienced quarterback. He's coming off an injury. He's going to give you one. He's going to give you one every game. He might give you two. Um, so 45 and a half, I'm definitely looking at the under here, and I like it a lot. This is going to be a very, very bold thing for me to say. I think at this point, right now in time, that Jets offense is better with Joe Flacco at quarterback than Zach Wilson. I love Probably Zach is. Wilson. I love Zach Wilson. I think the talent is there. I think he is one of the more talented quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that he can make a lot of throws that, you know, there's some quarterbacks in the NFL that can't make. Um, but I'm not going to say he is a great player until we see it, and we just have not seen it so far in his career. He came back last week. He threw two picks. Um, did not look particularly great. He did play a Steelers defense, which is a very, very, very tough game to come back on. I'm sure that they're really excited to see what he can do against his Miami defense, but don't sleep. This Miami defense has some studs on it, too. So uh, I agree with you. Um, we're talking about a, a battle between Teddy Bridgewater and Zach Wilson. With that point total, I, I would I would definitely roll with the under, too. I, I, I love that pick. All right, well, that kind of rounds out the betting segment, segment of the podcast. Um, Jake, before we get out of here, is there any other games you're looking at this week? Maybe not official pick-wise, but just any games that you're interested in? Well, you know, Kenny, you got rolling very, very well on the betting side of things. And uh, it, it kind of skipped completely the Atlanta Falcons. So I'll, I'll go ahead and we dive. We did skip the Falcons. Yes, we, we kind of skipped the Atlanta Falcons. So I'll go ahead and uh, we'll, end, we'll end the podcast off. I, I don't know if you have any more betting things that you want to go. We, you can go ahead and give a little bit more betting things, and then we'll go into Falcons and say that for last. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about on the betting side of things? Dude, you're completely right. I do not know how I missed the Falcons when I've got the matchup pulled up right here in front of me. Um, Betting-wise, um, I'm there's a couple games, not necessarily from a betting perspective, that I'm interested in, and that's the college game day game. Uh, TCU-Kansas, uh, first time college game day going to Kansas. Kansas is ranked for the first time in however long. Um, TCU is a very explosive offense, a team that I've been really impressed by, and I really enjoy watching this TCU team play. I kind of throw them in the same category that you mentioned with North Carolina. If you want to watch exciting football, um, pull up a TCU game, man, because this team can put up some points, and they play really, really good ball. Um, and Kansas is just a team that's been super impressive. So um, I'm not going to touch it. Betting-wise, uh, it's a high over-under set at 68.5, and the line is 7. Uh, uh, TCU is favored by 7 in this game. Um, I, I tend to think that TCU is a better team than Kansas, uh, and I'm not hopping off the Kansas hype train because I'm excited to see them and what they can do with a number next to their name. Um, but uh, that, that's an interesting game to key in on. Um, another game that I'm pretty interested in is this. Where's that? I just lost it. Um, oh, my goodness. It happens, man. Hold it happens on. to the best of us. I just lost where I was on FanDuel. Give me one second. Point it back up. While you're searching for that, I do want to touch a little bit on the TCU-Kansas game. Um, if you're a fan of college football and you want to watch two great quarterbacks that you probably have never heard of in your life if you have not watched these guys play, Max Duggan and Jalen Daniels are two amazing quarterbacks, and they can play ball. So if you just want to go watch a good quarterback matchup, that is definitely a game you want to turn on. Uh, it's a 12 o'clock game in Kansas. Uh, obviously, Kansas is like the Cinderella story of college football right now. They were a basketball school, and now they're a football school after. 
having a terrible season last year. Um, obviously, they they beat Texas last year, which was kind of their big notable thing. And now now they're ranked, so it's it's a it's a pretty pretty big deal. Um, have you had any luck finding your game yet, Kenny? So yes, it's right here in front of me. Um, I'm looking at this BYU Notre Dame game. Yes. Um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, but Notre Dame three and a half point favorites in this game. Um, I know Notre Dame is Notre Dame, and they're a you know a very popular football team, a team that you talk about in a lot of conversations of legendary programs. Um, but they're not better than this BYU team, um, not from no. what I've seen. Um, I love BYU plus three and a half in this game. I'm probably going to do a little sprinkle on BYU money line. You can get a plus 146 on the money line right now. Um, for a point of reference right here, boys, that is a $20 bet to win twenty nine twenty on FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, I like BYU a lot right here, so um, I'm, I'm very interested in watching the game. And it's, it's a late game, a little primetime action, 7.30 kickoff, so that's a really interesting game. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100 percent on that. Uh, I love that BYU team. I know they, I know they had a little bit of a, a little bit of a stinker game. I don't, I don't quite remember what game it was. I don't have their schedule pulled up right in front of me. Um, played a little bit of a stinker against Oregon, 41-20. I know that we, I think both of us had our money on BYU and they lost us money. I think we watched that game together at your house. So, yeah. um, I this BYU team's pretty good. Um, I, I think that they are better than Notre Dame as well, and I think that it, it's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. All right, you got anything else, or you want to hop into these Falcons? Um, I think that's it for me. Uh, do you want to start the Falcons talk, or do you want me to start it off? Why don't you kick it off, Jake? All right, so the Atlanta Falcons are strolling, making their way down to Tampa Bay this coming up Sunday to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1 p.m. Um, this is going to be a huge game for the Falcons. Right now, the Atlanta Falcons are tied for first place in our division, which is a really, really big deal, and I guarantee if you ask most people... um. Where we'd be at through four weeks, they would not say tied for first place in the NFC South. But it is true, and it is happening. Um, right now, the spread, I believe, is at eight and a half. And if you've paid any attention, what is it? It's nine? I just, I just moved to nine, yeah. Okay, so the spread's at nine. Um, if you've paid any attention there, if you listened to the podcast yesterday, you know that the Falcons right now are 4-0 against the spread. Um, we are the only team in the NFL to do that so far this year. So we love to cover. That is what the Falcons do. Um couple key notes for this game. I'm not going to dive super far into it. Um, as of right now, Kyle Pitts is currently questionable. He did not practice today or uh, Wednesday, if you're listening to it, podcast side of things. Um, he did not practice, which is notable. He has not really you know, been a super, super dynamic part of this offense so far this year. But this Falcons offense has not really been a very dynamic passing offense. So it's, it's, it's not really too much to expect. But if you know one thing about the Falcons, if you ever dig, dug deep into the stats, whenever Kyle Pitts has a good game, the Falcons tend to win. That is a known fact in Falcons country. If Kyle Pitts goes out there and puts up, I think it's like 65-plus yards or something like that, the Falcons tend to win games, which is which is a pretty big deal. And, you know, you lose the most talented player on your offense, that is super scary. We already talked about Cordero Patterson hitting the IR, so this run game is, is a little bit depleted. We have guys that can tote the ball. Um, but one thing is notable, noticeable. Oh, my God. Oh, no, notable. There we go. Um, this Tampa Bay Bucks defense is very, very good. This defense is awesome. Um, so I, I'm really, really excited to see what the Falcons can do against this defense, see if we can actually develop some run plays. We know what they have at their linebacker position with Devin White and Levante David. They have guys back there that are complete studs that are going to be trying to clog up them holes for the running backs. But with how those offensive line has played so far, I, I, I think that you know we'll still have some, some pretty good success in the run game. And with the running quarterback like Marcus Mariota, you know, the option and all that fun stuff is always in play. Um, 
couple interesting things on the Bucks side of things. Um, Tom Brady's currently questionable with a shoulder slash finger issue slash uh divorce court issue. <laughs> um, whatever you want to put that in. I, I don't know how that's really playing out right now. I just checked that he he did not practice today. He did not participate in practice. But knowing Brady's probably going to be on the field. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to hold him out of a game like this. Brady's and not a to, guy that. To interject right there, um, I will say when's, missing Wednesday practices has been a pretty regular thing for Tom the past few years. Yeah, and Tom Brady's not a guy that misses games for minor things. Like Tom Brady, he, he's going to be on the field. He's going to come out and play. Um, and with the whole divorce thing going on with him and Gis- Giselle, there was just news leak- leaked out yesterday or the day before uh, that they had hired a divorce attorney, I believe is what it was. And uh, I don't know how, what type of effect this is going to have on Tom. Tom has been good this year. I'm not going to say great. Tom is is still a top 10 quarterback right now in, in the NFL statistically. I want to say he's like 12th in QBR tied for 10th in touchdown passes. He's somewhere in the top 10 in passing yards. So he's he's still putting up numbers, but this Tampa Bay offense has not been nearly as good. They have not been running the ball very efficiently at all. So I'm expecting it to be a really, really big game in the passing game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, another notable thing is, is that Julio Jones, Russell Gage, a couple former Falcons, uh, former Falcon legends, I should say, are questionable along with Brashad Perriman. So they have quite a few wide receivers that are questionable. And news came out today that Cole Beasley is retiring Right now, he yeah. so Cole Beasley retired today, so he he's not a part of their scheme. So obviously, I didn't mention uh, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. They're two they're two big threats on the outside. But you know, you lose guys like Julio and Russell Gage and Perriman. Those are guys that you can fill right in that slot position. Um, they still got Scotty Miller, Scotty Baller, Miller. Everybody loves Scotty, but uh, they're still going to be kind of weak at the wide receiver spot. Kind of a trend the that the Buccaneers have kind of dealt with all year long, and it, it, I don't think it's really going to be fixed yet this week. So then they're still going to be missing a couple guys at the wide receiver spot, which is going to be a very big deal. Um, I did want to mention, too, that uh, there was news that came out that A.J. Terrell is going to be back sooner rather than later. I don't know what that particularly means. I don't know if that's going to mean he's going to be coming back this week or next week or, hell, five weeks from now. I don't know what his timetable was. I know he tore his ACL pretty early on last season, I think through in game five or six last year. But whatever, that's A.J. Terrell. I'm so sorry. Um, Isaiah Oliver. I, don't, I, I might have said A.J. Terrell. So I'm going to walk my way back a little bit. Isaiah you Oliver. did. I know what you meant. Yeah, Isaiah Oliver. Um, and if we can get him back on the field and be able to cover that slot spot, knowing that, you know, Chris Godwin's a guy that, that tends to line up a good bit in that slot, um, it's going to be a very, very big deal if he can come back this week. I don't think it's going to happen. But even moving forward for the Falcons, whenever Isaiah Oliver makes this Falcons defense a better team, like it makes it a lot better defense. So getting back on the field is going to be a really, really big deal. You covered a couple key points there. Um, and one thing that I'll say makes me a little bit nervous about this game for the Falcons um, are, are two kind of key, I guess you could say, trends or lineups or, or however matchups, I guess, um, that make me a little bit nervous. Uh, the Falcons, while we've seen some really, really good defensive play from the Falcons so far this year, we've been really impressed. I could say personally I've been very impressed. One thing we have struggled with um, is in the past game. Um, we are 25th in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game. Um, and on a team like the Falcons where we run the ball very heavily and we rely on the run game a lot, with even with, with Marcus Mariota, um, he's a guy who you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. He can come out there and give you a good game. Um, he's just kind of a – I don't want to call him a game manager because he's so athletic. He's very dynamic. He can do make plays on his feet. He can make plays with his arm. Um, but this is a team that really does rely on that running game. With Cordero being out, it, it makes you a little bit nervous. But we mentioned it yesterday with Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley coming in there. They're going to tote the pill. They're, they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit. Um, 
this Tampa defense is very good against the run. Um, I, I was struggling to find their total NFL ranks, but I do see that they're fifth in the NFC and rush yards allowed per game. Um, but I mean, this Falcons team, man, this offensive line has been playing as good as they've been playing. Um, if they can keep that up to an extent, come out there, we can move the ball on the ground, um, you know, maybe open up the play-action game a little bit, give Marcus a little bit of time to to get the ball out, maybe run a little RPOs and, and, and you know, use his athleticism uh, to his benefit. I think I think this, this Falcons team can just about give anybody a run. So, um, you know, you line up against a, a beat-up Tampa team on the offensive line, uh, who knows? I mean, you know, Lorenzo Carter, big game incoming. Grady Jarrett, I don't know. You know, this is a, it's kind of one of those games to where you kind of sit back, kick your feet up, and enjoy it as a Falcons fan because, um, you know, obviously it's a division matchup. It's against a really good team in Tampa. And um, you get to sit back and, and watch and see what this team can do against a Super Bowl contender. And um, I'm really excited to see it because – it's something that we really haven't seen so far this year. We, we thought we were going to see it with the Rams team, and obviously the big comeback, Falcons fall short. But we're not too sure what this Rams team is. Um, we know this Tampa team's good. Uh, they're, you know, obviously battling some injuries, but they're still a good team. So this could be a big prove-it game for the Falcons, man. I'm pumped to see what we can do. Yeah, me too. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, last week Tampa let Kansas City run all over them. Now, it is a completely, completely different. It's under completely different circumstances. Whenever Patrick Mahomes is your opposing quarterback, you are going to sit heavy yeah. on the pass game, and you don't really mind about a team running all over you. But they did allow 5.1 yards per carry, which in the NFL is, is a lot of yards per carry. So, I mean, that is at least one notable thing. Now, like you said, the bad thing about the Falcons is that any team knows that the Falcons not, our goal is not to come out there and throw the ball over you. That is not what our game plan is. Like Falcons run the ball a lot. So I, I'm fully expecting us to try to do it and try to keep your game plan. You don't want to switch your game plan in a game like this because if it's worked, if it's worked for you through four games, try it out in the fifth game. And like you mentioned, you meant you said it perfectly. This is going to be such a fun game to enjoy because um, if you lose to the Buccaneers, you just lost to a Super Bowl contender. For the Atlanta Falcons going into the year, we did not have high expectations. But by that chance that you play a tight game and possibly beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it is going to be like one of the most exciting things as a football fan. So that, that is the glory about, you know, the NFL. You got to kind of take things as, you know, how you see them. And I'm seeing this as us going into a game against a Super Bowl contender and a Falcons team that didn't really have high expectations going into the year. So no matter what happens coming up Sunday, look at it as, you know, look at it as what it is. If the Falcons come out and play a hell of a game, hell yeah, maybe we might be a legit team. If we get, if Tampa Bay beats the hell out of us, just settle for it, man. It, it is what it is. Like we, we, nobody expected us to be, you know, Super Bowl contenders at this point right now. We're, we still have a couple of years ahead of us. Yeah, it's just an exciting game from all around, and it kind of gets you gets your blood flowing a little bit to think about the possibility of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers loading the box and forcing Marcus to beat them in the past game because we haven't really seen that yet. So come on, Marcus, put your big boy pants on and come out here, and, and this could be a big prove it game, big statement game for Mister Mariota. Oh yeah. Um, and who knows? Things tend to get out of hand. It'd be Desmond you Ritter never time. know. You never Desmond. know. Desmond Ritter is sitting there, man, and we know he's got the arm. Yep, we know he has the arm to make the plays. Um, so that pretty much breaks it down for the Falcons game for me. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to really break down in the Falcons game. Um, NFL is a little bit different than college. NFL is a little bit harder to predict. Um, teams, they're all good. Like. Every team that plays in the men's league is a good football team. Don't get me wrong. They might be bad for the standard of the NFL, but even then, you know, you see a team get beat by two possessions in the NFL, it's a blowout, where in college ball, things are a lot different. 
You get beat by yeah. two possessions. Like Georgia beat Kent State by three possessions. You're like, damn, Georgia played like trash. It's different, man. These are the best athletes in the world. So, I mean, it, it's a lot more evenly matched than in anything else. Yeah, that's the reason our, our, our Falcons breakdowns aren't as long as, 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 our, as our Georgia ones. Because really, what do we break down? We have no idea what's going to happen Sunday. He's seen crazy things happen. so long, too. Like, like there's so much more that we are going to learn about these teams as the season goes. I mean, 17 games is a very long time, man. I mean, we're going we're gonna to learn more about this Falcons team week after week as the season unfolds. We're like a quarter way through this thing. So um, a lot of football left to play. Let's, uh, you know, strap up and, and see what we, what we find out because I think we're going to find out a lot about this team on Sunday. Yes, this is going to be – Outside of the Rams game, this is going to be our first really, really, really big matchup that we've had. Um, Like you mentioned, the Rams game was... The final score was closer than what the game was. I I will say that as a Falcons fan right now, we fought our way. I will say we scratched and clawed, but the Rams, like, they kind of let us back in that game, and, you know, we probably shouldn't have been in that game like we were. Uh, Block punt that led to a touchdown, a Cooper Cup fumble, kind of, you know, gave us two possessions that we just fought right back into, so... Like I just mentioned, two possessions is huge in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Big, 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 big difference. Well, Kenny, I, I, I think I think that pretty much wraps it up for me, man. We're we're pushing right at an hour thirty, a pretty good little time on here. So, I mean, I, I, if you have any closing statements, I'll let I'll let you go ahead and throw them out there. Well, man, I mean, we just want to say thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. It's been another good week on the podcast, a little two-episode week. Got a little review, got a little preview, and, um, you know, we got to talk about a lot of key things. Big game for the Falcons, big game for the Dogs, big rivalry matchup. So y'all y'all get ready, man. It's Wednesday night or Thursday if you're listening. A couple more days for the weekend, and it's time to watch some balls. So y'all get ready, um, and, and we're super excited. Thank y'all so much for listening. Thank you for interacting with us. Check us out on all the socials. You see the Twitter right here. On the if you're watching here on the stream or on YouTube, um, you know, get on there, give us a follow, interact with us, leave us a rating, let us know what y'all want to see. We're uh, we're super excited and um, we can't wait to uh, to see to see uh, how this thing progresses, man. We got a lot of ball ahead of us, and uh, thank y'all so much. Yeah, thank y'all. We'll see y'all next time.